The Sour Hour is meant for the serious brewer. The Sour Hour may contain some seriously funkified content. The Sour Hour is not for the faint of heart. So exercise some damn discretion, would you please? Sheesh. And now, here's the Sour Hour with Jay Goodwin. Hello. Wow, you beat me? You beat the points? What the hell? It's my new intro. Do you like it? No. No. Well, I'm all thrown off now. It's that time. You said hello, and then I pointed at you. X up is down, left is right. What is happening? Hello. Seinfeld ref. I know how much Bebo loves that. She's <laughs> nodding feverishly back there. Can't wait for our Seinfeld show. <laughs> It'll be about nothing even more than this show normally is. Yes, it will. <laughs> Welcome back to Sour Hour, the Brewing Network. I'm your host, Jay. Hi, Jay. Here with my co-host, my co-co-host, Beverly Moore, host of the new hit Inside of Podcast segment. More information with Beverly Moore. It's Bebo. Hello. Yeah. You might have a future after this show's run, run is done as a uh, soccer play-by-play. Was that a goal? A good mm-hmm. goal one? Mm-hmm. It was. Just need to know all the terms. Kits and pitches and... I don't think there's much to soccer other than goal. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> good. And there's Scott. Hi. Tonight's guest, nobody. We've got mail. No. Nobody. Danica in studio. Oh, hey, Danica. Danica. You can join this conversation. <laughs> Dominated by Danica. (laughs) Call us, 888-401-BEER. We got a call last show from Mike, who was uh, very helpful. He gave us uh, a very detailed email question, and that's great. Also, join us in the chat. Leave us feedback via email, scott at thebrewingnetwork.com, jay at thebrewingnetwork.com for jay. You can watch us, thebrewingnetwork.com slash TV, listen live. The Brewing Network app, search BN Mobile in the search bar of places. Subscribe and leave feedback on iTunes or Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or wherever. Do we have another review? Review of the week. (laughs) There's a quick one. It is from BG19OP. The title is It's No Session. (laughs) <laughs> but it's full of funky, good info and tons of dad jokes. That's from uh, BP nineteen OP. That's accurate. No, no song uh, selection and a, uh, a compliment for the session. Yeah. So uh, not following directions that carefully, but a good review, and we appreciate it. BG. Yeah. Let's get a song from Danica. Oh yeah. Do you have a uh, what, what can we use as a rejoiner? People write reviews, and we ask them to suggest a rejoiner for the show, like the song coming back in from break. <laughs> Women lose weight. I have that one. I don't know that one. That's uh, I've played it. I think like on breaks on this show before. It's another. I've mentioned more Chiba, one of my go tos. That's not the. That's not the name of the Beatles song we were listening to during the break. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Let's see. Do I have that? Well, I'll give you some time here, Scott, and thank one of our sponsors, Oregon Fruit Products. Their aseptic purees are easy to use and convenient to store. They've got no additives nor or artificial flavors. It's simply great expression of the raw fruit. They love working with brewers to help us innovate. 
check them out at fruitforbrewing.com. Oregon Fruit, they bring fruit to life. I don't know if it'll work as a rejoiner because it just goes right into the lyrics. The name of this entertainment is it's, it's no good. It's a great song, but it's no good for a rejoin because we need like a bed, you know, like a you know guitar or whatever over which to you know have a, a you know hey this is Vinny from Russian River you're listening to this hour that sort of thing you know before the lyrics come in um, or no lyrics at all. Good hip hop song, but not good for a rejoiner. It's a little harsh. <laughs> well, it's true. I mean, you know, she just yeah <laughs> pulled out a song and. You're just like, no. Hey, I got to be down hard. I got to be honest. Yeah. I greatly appreciate the, the suggestion. And you know, I love that song. It's a great song. Well, maybe Bevo can come up with a song. Yeah. Anything off the top of your head? Co host Beverly. Take on me. Oh. <laughs> oh come on. As a rejoiner? I don't well, that, know. That, it was the only thing build, I could think of. There's a lot of buildup on that. Hi. So for the third segment, Bevo, aha. What are they doing now? Aha. Aha. Can you get on that? I'm on it. All right. Teasing out for the third segment. More information with Beverly Moore. Brought to you by other BN shows. Brew Strong, Dr. Homebrew, Brewing with Style. The Session, and the newest to drop. Bikes Bikes and Beer. Beer. The show out of Fort Collins. This is a little ditty from a great band called Aha. Actually, you know, this this would work. You're welcome. Because, uh, you know, no lyrics and stuff. Yep. (laughs) Danica. It's my favorite part. (laughs) Solid. All right. Let's do some questions. Uh, This upcoming question and all questions are brought to you by Dr. Lambic and his team at SourBeerBlog.com. Check out the articles on SourBeerBlog for a great written resource. (laughs) I'm glad I didn't repeat that. (laughs) Devoted to to teaching you how to brew and blend your sour beer at home. And now the sour beer blog crew is opening up a new brewery and tap room in central Pennsylvania. Check them out. Mellow Mink brewing at mellowmink.com. And thank you for supporting our friend, Matt. Dr. Lambic brings you this question from Trey. He posted this on the rare barrels, Instagram, which is awesome. By the way, go check it out. If you haven't already, I'm, I'm sure you must have, if you enjoy Jay's show here, you, you must have checked it. But the, the, uh, just mm-hmm. the branding and the the way that you know this fresh fruit everywhere and beautiful sets and barrels it's awesome so shout out to check it out tyler and danielle and alex on the sales market team indeed they so, make us look good literally <laughs> yes they do <laughs> okay so trey asks uh jay when releasing a beer under the same name such as home sour home where you're doing yearly releases is the goal repeatability or rather something true to type based on the trb crew's collective palette at the time would you consider these more vintage releases than repeatable beers due to the sheer number of factors of fermentations, fruit additions, and aging time? Great question, Trey. We're certainly trying to do a lot of work now on true-to-type definitions, but I'd say unsatisfyingly all of the above a little bit. So I consider them vintages. We do try to keep them tasting similar, but at the same time, we don't want to sacrifice improvement for the sake of consistency for consistency's sake. I think in a lot of other beer styles, you're looking for consistency across the board. We're just trying to make beer that's consistently good. 
we embrace the variation as long as we feel like it's an improvement. If it's not an improvement, then truth be told, we, we probably won't release the beer. And I like to think that our vintages get better every year. But that's part of the fun. You know, there's people who have been aging all these beers and they say they like that that was a burp, Scott, that made the air. Did it? Yeah. So lost my train of thought. Uh, sorry. Uh, you did? I did lose my train oh, of thought. Oh, well, your, your vintages. <laughs> oh, yeah. So um, so people will come up and say, oh, you know, I like the first in Sorcel or the third one mm-hmm. the most. And it's all over the place. But, I, you know, we try to listen to what they like about it and kind of note what we like about it. And just consider that while we're blending for the next batch. The differences get smaller and smaller the more times we make a beer, but we're always trying to make it better. And just the simple fact of this is wild yeast and bacteria is always going to make it different, even if we try for a high level of consistency, which, like I said, I think it is consistent, but different enough to taste the difference. And hopefully it's always getting better. But I don't fault people who say they like older ones because those are changing from the time that we blended them. It's funny, too. That's kind of like a common trope amongst, uh, you know, craft beer fans and maybe less brewers. But you kind of you hear that a lot, right? Like last year's was better. Yeah. You know, I even remember the um, Brewing Network Studios staff here once um, a couple of years ago. I believe Nick, bartender Nick, Mm -hmm. uh, who now is brewing for Bartlett Hall in San Francisco and killing it, by the way. Yeah. Nick made a chalkboard, like the A-frame chalkboard sign that's out on the sidewalk. I remember he did one, How to Fake Tasting Notes. (laughs) (laughs) And one of them was uh, saying... um that you know last year's was a little bit better yeah yeah, oh, yeah. whatever you're sure. drinking you're... yeah that beer that's not here is way better <laughs> right the one that's not in our glasses <laughs> that's the killer beer yeah. the uh goal seems like it's yeah i mean you do have consistency in your mind like it can't be a mm-hmm. very different beer if we're going to call it home is our home but that that's not like uh, that's not number one right? right and if you think about it you know brewery abc out there is making their flagship ipa how many times in a year? Sure. 12, Every 20, yep. 50, I don't know. And uh, I don't know how to brew IP. <laughs> <laughs> Every um, day. 100? Am I way off? I don't know. <laughs> we do it once a year. Mm-hmm. So think about the analogy is what was the variance in your first five batches of your IPA? Yeah, you're going to change it, right? So that's that's where we are right now, but we're coming up on our fifth anniversary this year. So maybe we've changed, I mean, the beer we've made the most is maybe this will be a fourth time yeah we're still improving for sure so we're not going to leave that opportunity to to improve on the table for the sake of hey let's make it exactly like last year because we're always trying to be better so i think i just think it'll become there's a mathematical term for this but sort of like plateau out or like like, let's say there's this value is three and then it kind of comes up and you never get to three like on a graph yeah no, you here set you a line at three. She's on it. She said she's she's, on it. she's all over that. Okay, all right. Did I answer the question? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you did. I, you did. So, I I guess t- just a detail on Trey's thing here, the collective staff palette, which as we've discussed on this show a lot, does really morph uh, as sort of months and eras or whatever go on. Sure. So, th- how does that affect? Say, oh, let's take he used Holmes Hour Home as an example. So, what if uh, you know? It's just as acidic, you know, as last year, but maybe mm-hmm. the staff's palate this year is not, we're not making quite as acidic beers. Very complicated when it comes to sensory. So we don't have an enormous staff. 
uh, like some of the larger breweries who are trained on the these things constantly. So we're kind of in the, the first steps of developing the beginnings of these types of definitions, the true to type. And so a good first step for us is to do a check all that apply survey. So we use Google Forms and we enter, I think they're from ASBC, but it's like, so instead of saying, just writing down that this is floral, we actually have on the form sub sub, uh, category is floral. And then it's, you know, rose and geranium and lavender and all these different flowery smells. And you just check all that apply. And so you're taking like 10, 15 minutes to examine in depth this one beer. And there's like, you know, 100, 200 things. Mm -hmm. And then we take everyone's responses and the ones that happen more often go into the definition. Mm. But to your question or your point, that doesn't account for a few things. Intensity, mm-hmm. the fact that the panel changes year over year. Sure. And the fact that the, here's another one, that the beer changes year over year. So, you know, maybe our definition for soliloquy is not the same as it would have been six months ago because the beer is changing over time. So it's trying to hit a moving target a little bit. It's trying to have a, a train stable panel. And we're just trying to take a small, step in that direction and not put too many of our eggs in that basket and overrate the weight of what we're developing, but it's, it's going the right direction. Gotcha. Well, uh, thank you for the question. Trey, Trey says, uh, thanks guys for killing it with the podcast. Keeps me awake brewing on the graveyard shift. Excellent. Thanks Trey. All right. Are we up against a hard out? Hard out. Let's do it. We'll take a break. We'll be right back on the sour hour. When I order a beer, I want my server to know more about it than I do. I want someone who enjoys good beer and loves helping others enjoy it too. I want someone who knows how to pour a perfect pint for every beer style. I want a Cicerone. The Cicerone Certification Program is creating the type of people who help you enjoy great beer. Home brewers and craft beer lovers know beer is more flavorful and complex than ever, and it takes some serious knowledge to store and serve beer right. Cicerones know beer. There are three levels in the Cicerone Program. Certified Beer Server, Certified Cicerone, and Master Cicerone. Cicerones are truly the sommeliers of beer. The best beer locations have a certified Cicerone on staff. Relaxed and unpretentious. Cicerones are tested on storing and serving beer, beer styles, flavor and tasting, the brewing process and ingredients, and pairing food with beer. Learn more about your next beer guide at Cicerone.org. Certified Cicerone, because it takes top talent to present a perfect pint. to the Sour Hour on the Brewing Network. All right. Great rejoiner. Thank you, Scott, for finding that. Yeah, I, uh, I just came up with this, and I was like, you know, that would make a perfect rejoiner. Great job. Thank you. I want to thank you, and I also want to thank our friends at Neshaminy Creek Brewing. Three times, Philly Beer Scene Magazine Brewer of the Year. Two-time GABF winner for the Vienna Style Lager. Two times for bronze, smoke lager, famously. Renovated tasting room, variety of beer styles. Bronze for smoke lager. You know the styles. Free brewery tours on Saturdays. New 
brand new year old. Second location opening <laughs> about a year ago. Check them out. ChamneyCreekBrewing.com. They are by a creek, I think. I can't remember now. We're not Were really they sure. by a creek, Bevo? Honestly, I don't remember. I don't remember. <laughs> I think uh, my first answer was no, and then yes, and yeah. now there's probably water near them. Neshaminy Creek Brewing, perhaps by a creek. Check them out. <laughs> well, More questions? Yeah, it's the mailbag show. So some of these older ones, I can't remember. What's, wait, hold on, Danica. What's that face for? Can you get a live mic? Yeah. No. no, she doesn't want. What? 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 Are what, you still mad that I took that? credit for your rejoin suggestion? I want to know what the you gotta, if your face fl- was. Yeah, if you're flipping out over there. Mailbag. Why? M A L E mailbag. Um, um, uh, you're you're a smart one. <laughs> you fit in here in the studio. Um. Now I don't remember if we. <laughs> Bevo liked it. <laughs> Trying to do a beer question, guys. Sorry. Go Jeez. on, Scott. Uh, even though it's not actually a beer question, it's a sourdough question. I can't remember sourdough. if we got to it. Yeah, you've done sourdough. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I don't. You guys got to forgive me if we did this. Um, sure. This is from Eric. Eric says. Um, I've been talking with Philip Emerson over at Almanac about making the mm. perfect hoppy sour blonde and getting the culture right. He mentioned he uses a Brevis Brett pitch in primary, but has a sourdough culture as part of a mother pitch. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, he said this is on generation number 49, and he says this is more of an accent as opposed to emphasis. His pitch changes depending on the barrel stock. Uh, as of late, he has a pretty hop-tolerant lactose strain and is brewing increasingly hoppy wort to correct occasionally. The questions are, one, do you have any good reading on how to make a sourdough culture for brewing? Is this pretty similar to making a bacteria culture? We'll do question two in a second. I don't. But I'll give you my theory, which may or may not make sense, on how to make a sourdough starter into a brewing culture. So I was kind of, you know, we talked about tempering yeast with the, uh, with uh, Mike. Was that on the last show? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So yeah, I kind getting, of view it the it. same way. So you have a dough starter, and what do you what do you want to end up with? You want to end up basically with something that looks and acts like a mixed culture beer starter. So basically you just take steps to go from point A to point B. So maybe you continue your sourdough starter, but you start adding 10% of a wort, and then you let it actively ferment, and then when it falls down, either decan or mix it up, whatever you do with your starter, add 20% wort, or you know if you want to, let me fast forward, 25% for the first one, 50%, 75%, and then by, by the time you're at 100%, you're basically just using the liquid to ferment a full, like, whatever, liter of wort. And now you start that up. Now move it to five liters. And now maybe at the bottom of that, you have enough to pitch probably a secondary inoculation. I'm not sure if you really want to just count on that strictly for primary. I think you will get an accent, like a background note from that. But I've also known about other sourdough yeast to beer starters that have gone like crazy attenuative, like all the way down to zero sugar. So that would be my recommendation. But, you know, searching around the Internet, I would say there's probably some some good resources for that. I don't have any hands-on experience with it. 
I know it's you were saying it's this is just theory, but do you? Th and I know you were just picking numbers, but do you think that's close to an ideal amount of times? Twenty five, fifty, seventy five, hundred, like four times, or if time wasn't a factor, should you do it ten times? Wean no, as slow as not possible. The, not the number of times. So it's you do just pick pick a first step, and then react to it. You know, oh, twenty five percent was my first one. Right. Uh, it didn't really look healthy. Oh, okay. Well, I'm gonna crank that back. Actually, so now I'm gonna start back at just adding 10% more. Or, you know, the other thing I was thinking about is, you know, a lot of sourdough starters are using wheat flour. So you start to slowly incorporate barley flour into the sourdough starter to get it maybe a little more used to that. And maybe that's how you start so that you do a 50-50 barley wheat flour sourdough starter, and then you go to 100% barley and then you start adding wort in there, something like that. I don't know. I've had a few ideas about this, but um, never really followed through on it. The second part of uh, Eric's question, he said, do you have a commercial strain you love for hop-forward sours? He says he really loves the culture in home sour home, although that's not really a hop-forward sour. That's not a, hops are not a dominant ingredient. Right, right. Um, he says he really loves the culture in home sour home. He thought maybe you could share some of the process for arriving at that level of clean acidity. And as I say that, I... I perhaps have read this question before, but whatever. Let's re-go over it. Do you have a commercial strain you love for hot forward sours? Uh, I don't remember this question, but doesn't mean we didn't do it before. That's for sure. <laughs> so, no, I don't have a particular commercial commercial strain to get clean acidity. It's just more of a process, and it really just its a tough, tough question, I think. So, and you want to end up with a hoppy sour. So, here... It, Let's, let's start at the end. So you want to make a good hoppy sour beer. To me, I think you need to keep the acid out of it until the very end. So start making sour beers on the side. Once you get a clean sour beer that you like, you think it'll complement it, then brew either Saccharomyces or Saccharomyces and Brett or just Brett beer. That's the one you're going to dry hop, do it enough so you can blend some sour beer into it afterwards. But... We just find a better hop flavor from dry hopping a, a portion of beer that is not sour and then blending in the sour beer afterwards. Sure. So that would, that would be my advice. Not exactly the questions you were asking, but ultimately what you want is a hoppy sour beer that's good. That, that would be my recommendation. Are there particular characteristics you should look for in that you know clean sour that you're going to blend in later? I like to dry it out so doing a lot like saisons because that's more likely to have a finishing gravity that's similar to whatever your sour beer is as opposed to some of the other ale strains that are used for ipas which finish a little higher than kind of like dry saisons mm -hmm. so i like to match what the finishing gravities are sour beer clean beer so that would be my advice that's a good rule of thumb to try and get the gravities as close as possible the, the, on both beers i think so but we're still in the early stages of this research so okay. take it with a grain of salt what does what uh disadvantages would you see to the gravities being like kind of far apart from each other on the two finished beers so one of the beers may not have active brett or have enough time to ferment all the way out and then you're going to add beer that has fermented all the way out with active Britannomyces. So, you know, back to our, back to uh, Mike's question, you would be adding a beer that has active bread. So maybe there's a, your sour beer is zero Play-Doh residual sugar and your hoppy beer is two. Let's say you just blend them 50-50. You finish at one, but 
let's say the cultures in the zero are still active and you don't account for the one Play-Doh that you're going to ferment, which could carbavir all the way, basically. So then you get five volumes instead of 2.5 volumes. So that's what you want to look out for. Here's another question from the mailbag. This is from Nick from Maine. Uh, We're kind of dipping into the Wayback Machine on a couple of these. Uh, Nick says, I have 11 gallons of East Coast 01 in primary fermentation for an extract lambic recipe. It's been there for about a month, and I want to transfer it to some better bottles and pitch some Cantillon Classic Goose, Allagash Cool Ship Red, and McKellar Spontan Framboose Dregs into one better bottle. Then... Pitch dregs from Jolly Pumpkin in the other better bottle. Then let this sit for a year plus. Anyways, I want to take the primary yeast cake and use that as the primary yeast for 12 gallons of a Flanders red recipe that I'm working on. He said, might not be the best pick for a Flanders, but that's what I got. He said, I planned on transferring the cake into large mason jars this week and just dumping some into the Flanders. How much should I use? I'm pretty sure that I shouldn't just use the whole cake of a carboy since I think I'll be over-pitching. Should I just go off the Mr. Multi-Pitch Rate Calculator for a slurry, or do I need to think about it differently because it's a mixed culture? A lot of good questions there. Okay. I tried to write down some notes as you're speaking, Scott. Um, So first thing, I'll tackle the secondary. The better bottle, kind of going back to one of the questions we answered before, that is like the PET plastic. So it's it's not as bad as like the bucket, but it's not as good as a glass carboy. So aging it in there for a year, first off, don't really, this is my recommendation personally, don't really tie yourself to, I'm going to age this for a year for sure. And if it tastes great at nine months, nope, I said I was going to age it for a year. Sure. You know, go by taste, go by the beer more than the time. And I'd be a little concerned about that long of a residency for better bottle, but you know, perhaps some homebrew. I, I don't have as much experience with that. Perhaps some homebrewers out are, out there are like, nope, better bottles are great for my secondary aging of sour beer. So I would cede to their opinion on that. It, con- um, it concerns you because there's more oxygen ingress in those better bottles than there is in a glass carboy because of the plastic mm-hmm. yep okay yeah. i think it's better than regular plastic but not as good as glass if i'm remembering cor- correctly so you want to repitch ecy01 which i believe is bug farm and if my memory's serving right there's just like everything in there so there's tons of different lactose some pedi- a couple of pedo strains and then like a bunch of different Britannomyces strains yeah you're right I don't Bug believe there's saccharomyces uh, large complex blend of cultures um contains sac and bread it does and then lactic acid producing yeah lacto and pedo okay yeah. so if it fermented well in the first generation yeah sure go ahead and harvest and repitch one thing i've we've hammered in on the show is that you repitch these primary slurries, and if you keep doing it over time, the lactic acid bacteria are going to outcompete and dominate the beer. They're going to create something that's too sour for your liking and inhibit the yeast from fully fermenting it to the finishing gravities that you're used to. So just keep, you're only on generation two, so don't stress about that too much. Just keep an eye on it. As for how much to pitch, I mean, sort of hard to say it'd be great to have a regular looking fermentation but once you start repitching mixed culture slurries the acid's going to get involved how much are you trying 
to add oxygen to this or not add oxygen to it. It's kind of up to experience and brewer's choice. If you like what happened on the first one, just try to repeat it. Yeah, you probably won't need a lot. And it, it's a tough question for me to answer as well because I don't know what home brewers do to like get their self. I guess he brought up the Mr. Multi thing. If that's what you use, then try to hit whatever uh, that calculator is going to give you. And you, yeah, you wouldn't think that it would matter that it's a mixed culture. You sh- that that calculator would still be a good rule of thumb. It's like a good if that's thing what use. you're used to. Then you know, use your best judgment on that. I wouldn't. Yeah, it, it should be the same. But just watch for the drift, generation over generation. Cool. Who's that again? Gotcha. Uh, that was Nick. Nick from Maine. Yeah, that's right. Oh, I wrote it down here too. Good job, Jay. Well, thanks, Nick. <laughs> thanks, Nick. Now that was uh, May 2016. So uh, it's been almost two years. By the way, if- reminder: send in some more questions. Yeah. We love follow-ups. Doing this, so, and we we do. You know, we we like to clear out the inbox, but uh, spr- you know, sprinkle them in in the other shows and ask them of the guests, and yeah, hit us up. Now, I'm a little hesitant to ask you about this rare barrel beer that, that I have in my glass. It's a, un, We have two tart saisons currently on. Your glass is empty. It wasn't. Well, I couldn't stop drinking. Oh, sorry. So Magic of radio. Sorry. My bad. <laughs> yeah. The uh, Now, they're both tart saisons, the two that we have on. And one uh, had the lemongrass and the sumac. That was the first beer that I had. This one is Fork in the Rose. It is another tart saison with rose hips and rose petals. Mm-hmm. I'm a little hesitant to ask what the... <laughs> Because I think just maybe I should, uh, should we call like Logan or something? <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't work there anymore, but. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, I'll edit that yeah, on a post. Back in New um, Jersey. Uh, Mike. Should we call Mike? Doesn't work there anymore. Really? Works at Temescal <laughs> Brewing. You got to leave this in now. Uh, should we call Jenna? Yep. Okay. Yeah. And uh, ask her what do you, what's what do you up with the, I don't know. Just, uh, you know, the rose hips and petals. And rose hips are a very familiar ingredient to rare barrel beers because they've been in our beer soliloquy for a long time. So that's rose hips and orange peels, one of my favorite beers that we've made. Rose hips are the basically the fruit that grows on the rose bush. They taste super orangey. We usually do um, dried rose hips so they're like they're like small berries and like i said they do they give off an orangey flavor and then i don't know i don't know if you enjoyed the beer or not but oh, one awesome. really unique part of that beer is the rose petals which if you've not used this in beer and i don't know if it's just the rose petals that we use at the rare barrel but they give off to me this really unique savory flavor in the beer and i wish you had a little bit more so we could go through it, but mm. get some more at the break. It's like a little bit of like white pepper and just, I don't know. Savory is just, I, I'm sorry. I can't get more specific with it without having it in front of me, but it's really interesting. But with the sweetness there and then the tartness of the sour beer underneath it, it works in my opinion, but it's certainly, if, if you don't know that going in, it can be a little jarring, I think, especially because you don't expect a savory flavor from rose petals but that's that's where we get it from let's get a couple of four ounces at the break and then dissect it further in the next segment should we tape them to our hands and play edward four edward ounce 40 hands hand, four, four ounce hands mm-hmm. i'm down get some duct tape back there beef <laughs> she's looking us. she's looking right now all right let's do one more before the break here from uh, aaron one more thing bevo we're going to tease it after the break update on aha's what are they doing now after the break i got it okay 
what is it what do we decide more info with beverly moore more more information more information with we'll get a little like theme music going can you sing one give me a clean take yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no i'm drinking a 3.7 abv beer so oh, no i'm not we there need to amp it up a little bit yeah. we have more thanks like, to society the damsel yeah. 3.7 percent table beer wonderful Shout out to Doug and Travis. I know how uh, Beeve's uh, segment, whatever the intro ends up being, you know it's got to have a little bit of in there somewhere, yep. you know? Yeah. Okay, here's from Aaron. Aaron, uh, again, this is a couple years old already, so sorry, Aaron, that it took so long. He said, hey, guys, I have a question related to drag starters. Oh, and sorry, everybody else, if we already read this. I created a starter last week with about 500 milliliters of wort and dregs from a few bottles, Jolly Pumpkin and Cascade. I have the starter in a growler with aluminum foil over the opening. I realize that there is a lot of headspace in the growler and that the aluminum foil lets some oxygen in, but I didn't think it would have a huge impact if I only kept the starter for a few weeks. I had anticipated stepping up the starter and pitching it in primary within a few weeks. However, I tasted it last night and it had a noticeable but not yet overwhelming vinegar quality. So was the headspace, the aluminum foil, or something else to blame for this? Headspace and aluminum foil. Both of those yeah. things. Just top it up to the very top. But good job tasting it and catching it two years ago. <laughs> yeah. And so he also <laughs> wants to know, should he just toss the starter? Yeah. Or is, he should. So the I vinegar would. quality will never dissipate with time. See, the problem with the vinegar quality is because you, you don't know if it's is it just Brett and the other microbes getting exposed to so much oxygen and producing acetic acid, or... Did you expose it, not necessarily to too much oxygen, but just it's exposed and is now contaminated with the large population of Acetobacter, which is probably something that wasn't in there before, or it was, and it's just very small population. And that's going to produce acetic acid, so the vinegar, at a big-time clip. But if you're getting noticeable vinegar after a couple of weeks... That's more of the acetobacter. So, okay. and just maybe to take a step back, answering more questions than this one, if you get vinegar from your sour beer, not not strong, not strongly tart vinegar, sharp acid, maybe even a little nail polish smell, not just ooh, this is really sour. This vinegar thing within six weeks of starting your sour beer. I'd say that's much more likely to be acetobacter influenced or produced. If you're getting these flavors after not until a year plus, 10 months, nine months plus, it's more than likely that that's just getting long-term oxygen exposure and you maybe don't have a cross-contamination. It's concerning if that's a beer, less concerning if that's a starter. So that's my, that's my wrap-up. Does so that make sense? It does make sense. So now, but... Ultimately, in either case, uh, I, I guess I'm asking, is it is it more like rescuable, quote unquote, if it's due to the long term oxygen exposure? Yes. Okay. And, that, and what you can do what to, to rescue that? No, just don't use either. If, if the beer's not good, just get rid of the beer. You can still use the culture. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. Right. Because there's no acetobacter mm-hmm. in there. Gotcha. Or, you know, theoretically, I you know, we don't really do too much of this if there's a lot of ethyl acetate and acetic acid. But if you're a home brewer, you know, you can start to blend with that and and it goes from maybe like hey this is a little sharp to this is now perfume Mm -hmm. maybe it's a little bit sharp on the palate but that's sometimes acceptable i'm talking about small amounts and so if you get a beer that's a year or two years old and it's large amounts doesn't mean it's acetobacter but 
doesn't mean you should blend it either. You get, you know, there's like, there's thresholds basically, but that's that, that short term, that like six week, if you're getting that flavor, that aroma, that's probably acetobacter. If you don't have it for six months and then you start to develop it in low oxygen. levels, that's probably just extended oxygen exposure. Sure, sure. Now, let's say uh, it was the, the latter, and uh, it was, uh, like, I don't know, acceptable levels, and you were going to, like, well, okay, you know what? Maybe I can use it for blending stock because it has that sharpness, but I can I can make it sort of complementary to the final product. Like, if you, were f you had to use that, what would you do? Would you, like, add a fruit to sort of complement the sharpness? What would you—how would you blend with it to— you just know. blend with a less sour beer, okay. but I'd say that flavor, that aroma is very polarizing. So, mm -hmm. you know, that's why us as a commercial brewery, we don't really try to mess around with that too much because even when we see on our tasting panels, you know, how, how sensitive are people to the perfume, to the vinegar, it varies wildly. And we, the, I mean, kind of the point of a big tasting panel is so that you can as best you can replicate how are people going to experience this when they're out of the bar and worst case scenario they're as experienced tasters as us so that's kind of the standard we set and if it's going to bother us then we don't want to mess around with it but you know if you don't mind and this isn't like to disc uh not discourage it's not the right word dissuade no distance no dystopia no disillusion I'm not trying to like put, put down people who might like these flavors because the perfume. Dismiss. <laughs> you're no, dismissed. None of these. D. None of the above. Good, Good. reference. No. Okay. I, I don't know what are you referencing. That's uh, freaks of the industry. The oh. answer is D. All of the above. I'm not familiar. <laughs> I actually even know that reference, Scott. Oh, you do? Bailing yeah. me out. Thank you. All right, I'll continue to answer the question with this playing in the mm -hmm. background. It's kind of a nasty song, actually. <laughs> Nastier than 20 Fingers? Uh, you go. It's right there. there. <laughs> it's different. It's less humorous and more just kind of. Oh, they mean it? Yeah. Yeah, well, I don't know. I don't know this. Anyway, go on. So talking about that the last day oh yeah so that that perfume that little bit of sharpness can be very positive i'm not trying to poo poo it it's like I, I find in a lot of commercial examples some of the best sour beers of all time have incorporated these so there's a right amount and you know sometimes it maybe it's like bitterness a beer that's too bitter for other people but is right for you so anyway i'm not trying sure. to discourage you from getting into this area but don't like blend a beer that's like super vinegary and right you would never ever drink that beer on its own that's too far yeah yeah right. just you can't be afraid to dump if there's a theme of this show it's just you can't be you can't be hesitant to dump beer a lot of dumping in the yeah. sour beer and i'll be taking slow never missing a spot yes caressing your back with just the chest you kissing on my freckles i never around you i do not know this song oh money really wow you both are they, if you guys would have seen how hard vivo and jay just simultaneously shook their heads i feel embarrassed i feel ashamed i feel inadequate Taking it on home and pleasing it. I wish I knew it. 
Money. Alright, and we should actually not listen to the multiple choice part, because then... Okay, this... <laughs> we shouldn't? No, it's... It's somewhat graphic. It's, it's oh, X. It's X. Why? Just because the album is called Sex Packets? There's You're telling me there's vulgar tracks on the album? I don't understand. Okay. Okay, here we go. Before we break, I want to thank our great sponsor, iDip. It's okay. a home or commercial use water testing kit. Don't let iDip go oh. by iDipping. The Smart Water Testing Kit incorporates a revolutionary photometer system. I like at the end when you stroke out when you say the word system. It's like, system. 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 That is so That is so painful. Oh, I dip. Perform over 40 water quality <laughs> tests for things mug. like chloride, calcium hardness, pH, sulfate, and much more. Podcast listener center code TBN10 at checkout and save $10 on either the standard or advanced smart brew testing kit. Order now and make this futuristic technology part of your brew, brew, brewing process. Visit www.smartbrewkit.com. Bevo? I love Bush. Oh, that was a live take. Right that was a live there. take. That was a clean one. I love Bush. <laughs> I'm going to use that, the, uh, the, other the one fresh from one. Today. It's a yeah. better one, I Much know. Much better. Yeah. All right, break time. I love Bush. <laughs> America's new smash hit segment, More Information with Beverly Moore. Learn all about what AHA is doing uh-huh. these days. We'll be right back on the Sour Hour. Hi, this is Ryan Whedon, the host of a new podcast called Branding Brews. Branding Brews is a show focused on marketing, branding, and design for the beer industry. I have spent over 14 years as a professional designer. As a host, I bring my knowledge to the show to interview other great beer professionals. Whether you're thinking about starting a brewery, already own a brewery, want to learn more about marketing beer, or you're a seasoned veteran, this show is for you. This show will cover topics such as rebranding a brewery, package and label design, crowdfunding, design, social media, plus much more related to promoting and creating a great beer brand. Make sure to check out the show along with useful show notes at brandingbrews.com. You can also subscribe to the Branding Brews podcast in iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. Again, check us out at brandingbrews.com. This is Jeremy from Brewery to Roo. You're listening to the Sour Hour on the Brewing Network. All right, we're talking away here on it's the so Sour per- Hour. It's literally perfect. <laughs> I don't know what to say, but I'm going to say it anyway. Scott. that time it's time for more information with beverly moore listen to that vibrato 
What do you got, Bebo? Girl got pipes. All right. <clears throat> the band. Aha. Officially split in 2010. Recent. Very wow. recent. Very recent. <laughs> That's all you got. <laughs> they got back together <laughs> in 2010. Oh, wow. Brief. Oh, I'm sorry. That's not true. They got back together in... My notes are convoluted. Um, Back together in 2014 for a two-year period. In 2017, they announced that they'd be going on an acoustic tour. What? Oh, 2017. I'm sorry. I, no, you, you. that's what you said. I thought I said 2007. I, I was, my what was too acoustic. acoustic. Yeah, I didn't know they play instruments. That's <laughs> it, though. Is a drum machine an acoustic yeah. instrument? How, do you do? We don't plug How this does this play in. on acoustic? Um, they were part of the MTV Unplugged Tour. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, so that exists. There's their acoustic yeah. stuff. And exists. I forgot to say this at the beginning. AHA, also known as the largest musical export out of Norway. Oh, nice. Good job, Norway. Um... And little upcoming information, you can actually see AHA Live. They're on tour in all of Europe. Wow. Uh, starting June 7th in Canterbury, United Kingdom, ending August 27th, Germany. Great. I didn't get the city or whatever of Germany. That has been more information Germany. with Beverly Moore. Oh, I have more, more information with Beverly oh, Moore. More, more? More, more. Uh, when you were talking about your graph and your yeah thing. oh yes thank, thank you. you more information with uh, i didn't come up with this thankfully we have a chat room that's mm-hmm. smarter than me because i had no idea what the hell you were talking <laughs> yeah. about i kind of didn't either so somebody so. said that i have two potential answers to your question it's either apex mm, what's the other one the Sounds other great. one is and what? i may butcher how you say this asymotically approach that sounds good but unfamiliar shout out to the chat thank yeah. you yeah good effort uh, that's more on me than you guys. So, sorry about that. And thank you to AHA. Speaking of AHA, the American yeah. Homebrewers Association. A H A. You like that? That's Aha. a pro transition. That was good. Hashtag awesome. HomebrewCon coming up. I'll be there. Speaking about sour beer, you could be there too. Go on homebrewersassociation.org. A H A. Take on beer. And that's been more and more information with Beverly Mo. Some, one one day we'll go for a triple, and then we'll play that song more, more, more. How do you like it? I love Bush. <laughs> okay. All right. And then there's that. And then there's that. All right, let's see. So Last segment. Last segment. couple more questions from the Wayback Machine. Cool, yeah. Let's clean out our closets. Sorry, Mama. Then keep... Yeah, man. So I came up with a really good system for marking questions that have been answered mm-hmm. in in recent, like the last maybe year or two. Mm-hmm. But all the ones before that, I did not employ that system. So uh, let's give them. <laughs> if there's one that sounds not familiar, let's do it. And then someone who's you know on episode three, they'll call us on it. Okay, here's a good one. Here's from Keith. Keith says... Oh, we answered that. (laughs) I did that one already. He says, uh, regarding yeast bacteria blends that are available commercially, do you know what the general thinking is around ratios of yeast and bacteria in a blend? No. All right. There's there's a a smattering of bacteria and mostly yeast. Okay. All right. So can a starter throw those ratios out of whack? Yes. Okay. I refer you to especially the Nick and Pelletieri mm-hmm. and Pelletieri, mm-hmm. Nicholas and Pelletieri. Pelletieri. Sorry, I forgot to do the uh, the hand, Italian hand. You speak with Italian mm-hmm. hand. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yep. Yeah, Bevo approves. Yes. Yeah. 
and he talks about i think his mixed cultures that he sells and how the ratio changes over time and i can't recall because i haven't gone back and listened to the bootleg biology podcast those we had those guys on uh, before this one and uh they might have spoken of that as well but i would see to the yeast lab people but it does change over time and of course we've talked over and over again on this show about the influence of the bacteria changing over time dominating the yeast and creating more acidic environments he uh goes on he says and mentions that he sees advertised cell counts in some of the yeast play bends mm-hmm. the yeast bay blends mm-hmm. And uh, he's speaking of Nick, and he says he sees some variants. So, for example, the melange has 29 billion cells, and the Funktown Pale has 58 billion cells. So, like, twice as much. Mm-hmm. He said, this variance leads me to believe that the blender has dialed in the ratio, and a starter might throw all their hard work out the window. So, no starter? I, I'm not a big fan of, like, the no starter. It's going to make something crazy. Ultimately, you're going to make one beer with this blend. And you're just want, you're gonna want to reuse it, so mm-hmm. everything throws off the blend, in my opinion. And part of the ongoing challenge for all sour beer makers is to manage that with different levers you pull up and down. But you know, honestly, go ahead and email Nick, and I'm sure he'll get right back to you. He's very responsive. Or if you're on Facebook, he's a big milk the funker. And um, one extra comment I'll put on that from the top of mind, I want to say that. The melange is more of a mixed culture. Funktown Pale, I think, is dominated by a Saccharomyces. You can make clean beer with that. So that might be a major difference. Here's a last one from Duke. All right. He said, uh, are these mixed culture primary barrel fermentations left to mature in the same barrel until packaging? If you're going to do mixed culture primary fermentation in the barrel, yeah. then he's asking... What happens to the residual yeast? I think he's basically asking, like, should I just leave it in the same vessel all the way through until it's ready to package? Would you leave it in your primary ferment- fermenter for all that time? No. Pro- I think no. Rack it off into a that. secondary. That's why, yep. that's why we use primary fermentation vessels at the rare barrel. When I was at the brewery, we used oak barrels, big punchins as primary fermenters, and there was a mixed culture in the bottom, but then we racked out once kind of the, the vigorous fermentation was done. Other people may leave that slug of yeast at the bottom, but you might get some off flavors over time. I think we've talked about on the show before that sometimes autolysis, while that's a, a big concern in normal beer making, some sometimes maybe sour beer can mitigate it a little bit. But I'd say be careful. The things that sound good about making sour beer, don't take them too far. It doesn't mean there's unlimited autolysis tolerance in sour beer making. And you can leave a ton of yeast in a barrel for over a year just to decay. And everything's going to be fine. And you're just creating more flavor for the bread to play with. You know, there's a limit to all of these principles practically. I have a question of my own before we wrap it. I'm okay. not sure if I've really ever asked anything like this or if there even is an answer to this that comes to your mind. Do you have something that you would do to the Rare Barrels program if time or money or anything was not a factor? I don't know if it's equipment or process or whatever. You feel like, I would love to do this, but I can't for lack of money or time or whatever. Hmm. I would have a lot more large format vessels, fooders, especially now that we've gotten further in our experimentation where a single oak barrel 
that's very valuable when you're trying to make 60 different fermentation experiments. But now we have some that we'd like to make more of. And it's not as necessary to have 30 oak barrels of all the same thing. Sure. I'd, I'd rather have it in one vessel. However, it's exponentially more expensive and it's more of a permanent structure to have fooders. So I think we'll get moved towards that one day, but um, that day is not today. Which also, we change what we do so often, mm-hmm. not just like in our production process, but where we keep shit at the brewery. It's like, okay, now this is going over there and this is going over there. And if we try to put fooders down a year ago, we'd be screwed. Totally. So that happens to us every year. So the portability of barrels is is a big advantage. But, you know, we're in this for the long haul. So once we kind of get more settled and it's not like off the table or anything, it's just we haven't done it yet. And the beers that you would like to do in those large format vessels, is that based on the market's reaction? Like they sell the best mm. or you're the most happy with these four different whatever, whatever it is? I kind of consider like these base beers work. So this is a gold with this primary yeast and this secondary inoculation. And we know it's going to make a beer that tastes like this. That might end up being four, five, ten different actual beers that are on tap or in bottles. It's just this is where we keep this type of beer that we like to blend with. And then, yeah, so maybe, oh, we need a little bit of this fooder to blend into this other beer. And there it is. So that would be nice, but not completely necessary at this point. Let's say the warehouse next to yours uh, was vacated tomorrow and you were just, I don't know, given it on your lease. Would you then say, oh, you know what? We should, we should uh, start building this by anchoring a few fooders and then go from there. Uh, yeah. I mean, if money and space are no object, sure. Okay. Yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd prefer that, but it's not so big of a difference where it's, sure. It's stressing me out or anything. Learning, learning experiences. That will, we're that's learning. what we try to share here. We're bringing the learns on this hour, hour, Scott. Indeed. All right. It's not nighttime outside. It's I know it's the light. It's Man, wonderful. It is. Big thank you to my co-hosts. Beverly Moore and Scott Moskovitz. I love Bush. <laughs> Thanks to the sponsors. Thanks to you listeners. Send more questions. We'll be here for more questions, more ho- more guests, more everything next time on the Sour Hour. Stay sour. I love Bush.